destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Another week. Uh, nothing came out this week or last week. Yeah, no. It's been pretty barren this year, and it seems like it's going to continue to be pretty barren for the rest of the year. Uh huh. No new releases yeah. of any note, at least none that can actually get into people's hands. No, uh, which is why I've been playing even more old games. Uh, in particular, uh, I decided to revisit Who Resident Evil 3 and Final Fantasy 7. Who are you again? Huh? Who are you? I don't... I... I don't know. I'm Larry Davis. With me is George Brundle, who apparently forgot that we should do introductions, <laughs> but... You know, rules of radio. Yeah, it's not cares? like he ever worked in radio before. Um. Certainly not. I mean, I wouldn't really call it work. Well, I just showed up and I put like a whole lot of Oingo Boingo onto the music machine so it would end up on the radio when I was driving around. But you were radio adjacent. <laughs> sure. I was in a radio studio. Exactly. That's more than I've done. Yeah. Yeah. We had a tunnel think... under that studio that was fucking terrifying. Like it. It was a. Basically, this underground tunnel that ran from our studio to a church that was nearby. And by nearby, I mean, like, probably a mile away. So it was just this really long stretch of darkness. You would just open up the door, and you couldn't see much more than, like, ten feet ahead of you. That's like a Hitman level. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I really wanted to kind of go and just like walk down there but like every time that door would be open and i was faced with the opportunity i was like no no i would do it that seems cool i'd like to poke yeah. around in there yeah pop pop up in the church like you just like push this flap open and you just appear out of the middle of like the pews yeah and then a kid thinks yeah, you're a ghost fun. and he has a seizure it's it's a good time <laughs> Anyway, I watched Parasite this last week. I don't need to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, because no new games have been out, uh, I've just been replaying quite possibly the best game of the generation, Nier Automata. And I'm on mm. the second route now, Route B, which is when that game really sort of shows what it's up to and having a good time. That's good. I'm glad you're enjoying that. You showed me the thing uh, with the merchant that is like a reference to Resident Evil 4. No, I didn't. I told you about it, though. Yeah, well, you told me about it, yeah, but still, like, I'm aware of it now. I know that's in the game. Yeah? I like Resident Evil. I maybe sure. played a Resident Evil All over right. the week. Tell me about it. Might have finished it, in fact, because uh, it's not a very long game. Uh, we talked about it last week, and I don't think that my thoughts have changed on it too significantly. Um, I, I'm kind of bummed that, like, the end of the game is 
so different from the original one like it's just another underground umbrella facility whereas in the original you're going through like kind of a industrial district because umbrella took over like a warehouse that they were using to test this rail gun out on okay. uh that's every resident evil game i guess has to end in an underground facility even the ones that didn't originally end in an underground facility well, the more obvious answer to this is they had the assets from Resident Evil 2. Uh, That's the remake. thing is it doesn't really resemble the facility in Resident Evil 2, though. Uh... Like, they still did a... There's, I mean, there's definitely reused assets down there, but there's a lot of new stuff that they made for that location. Like, I can still understand that they were able to reuse enough that it was less work than designing a whole industrial district. So, like, yeah, the point still stands. There's some, but, like, those corridors and everything look pretty much identical to I, the ones in 2. See, that's the stuff I thought changed. Like, the design of the doors and the, the like, nah, it, it looks different to me. But uh, Okay. But, uh, overall, I think that's still a pretty good game. Uh, I am really bummed out, though, that... You know, we kind of talked about this last week, but that the Nemesis encounters are not really Nemesis encounters. Nope. Like, the whole thing, too, about if you down him and you can, like, if you do that, you get an item for it. Like, that actually only is true for maybe the first three or four times that you see him. And then, like, at that point, less than halfway through the game, you can't really do that anymore. Um, he's a dog now. Yeah, he, he's a big skinless dog. Uh, yeah. Can't even swim. As uh, Jill no. tells you, except Bitch you can. can't swim. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The end of that just being like, use real gun, then pop these five things and push the whatever's into the wall, and then use the real gun again, and that's it. I was like, well, yeah, okay. I mean, it, better than navigating around like a really poorly laid out warehouse like it was in the original. But yeah, it's also like well, not much of a boss fight. Like the actual final boss fight is that uh, the sequence just before that in the pit where you have to like uh, shoot the generators to knock him down and then shoot his weak point And then Carlos just like floods it with acid. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's the real final boss fight. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like Double May Cry Five, sure. Or uh, you know, a Final Fantasy Seven where you fight uh, Sephiroth and he's like a big angel thing, and then you fight him again after that, but he's just a regular dude, and you just do the Omni Slash, and then he's dead. Okay, sure. Like one of those is an actual boss fight; the other one is more of like a set piece. What's this Final Final Fantasy Seven? You said. I. Uh, it's a pretty old, uh, like, a niche JRPG. It came out for, I think, the PlayStation 1. Wait, why would they call uh, it Final Fantasy if there are seven of them? Uh, well, it's a long story. This company used to make, like, games about penguins. You know what, I uh, don't care. But then... It doesn't matter. Okay, well, sure. They remade it, actually, but I don't think anyone's really playing that right now. Well, how could they? Uh, I mean, this Animal Crossing that people have to get through. So no one's got time for, like, a Final Fantasy. Uh, what the fuck even is that? No. Anyway, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake. 
What? Uh, I like how that game is still just called Final Fantasy VII Remake. They never bothered <laughs> to come up with a better title than that. Well, I think actually it's just called Final Fantasy VII. Uh, when it shows you the logo when you start that game, it still says Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, I so... thought the like on the box art it just said Final Fantasy VII. But okay. I uh, I'm pretty sure it also says remake on the box art, but like at the title screen it says remake, and then when you actually like start the game and it does the whole like flying over Midgar thing, it says remake. Great. So, yeah, I, it, actually, I just looked at the box art. It does say remake. I think for a while it did not. Uh, it, it might be that the reversible cover on that maybe does not include the remake subtitle. I don't know. I don't care because the. <laughs> It also got like the worst reversible cover I think I've ever seen because it's just black with the logo on it and that's it. Hmm. Like why? Why the fuck would I want to switch over to that? I don't know. Uh, I almost always then. use the reversible covers because they're almost always better. It, yeah, typically. Uh, this is not the case. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been having a really good time with that. Uh, it's nice that they made a playable version of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as I was, yes. Um, so I don't know. Did you just want to get into that now, or did you have some other stuff you wanted to get through before oh, you uh, I start dumping out feelings about Final Fantasy? I don't know. I don't have anything to say about it. I have not played it. Obviously, mine should be here Wednesday. We'll see. Yeah, I, I took a day off from work uh, to play this game. And Idiot. so then when all this shit went down and it was like, this isn't actually going to arrive for probably about a week. Uh, I just canceled my order and went to the Walmart and picked it up because Walmart new games are 50 bucks there anyway. And that's how much it was on Amazon. So whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, as I was explaining to you, I, this is basically Kingdom Hearts 3, but if it was more playable and your AI partners actually had better agency in battle. Uh -huh. uh, mostly because you can actually take control over them. Uh, like, you have to kind of change their commands and stuff if you want to make sure that they keep you healed up. Like, that's the one thing I found, like, the least reliable in a battle is oh, I'm almost out of health and, like, my partners are not bothering to use the healing spells that I know that they have. But the way that Final Fantasy VII structures its battle system is that you can just hop over to another character and just manually use their spells. So, worst-case scenario, if they're not doing the thing you want them to do, you can just make them do it on the spot without having to go into, like, a bunch of menus and change their AI routines. Uh and your spell usage and everything is tied to an active time battle gauge. It builds up over time, uh, like two bars of it. Each bar would represent an action. Uh, some actions require both of those bars. Uh, and then the more you hit enemies, the faster those end up building as well. So the thing that I like about that too is it kind of makes you have to plan ahead what you're going to use that stuff for. Because like you might have a whole string of spells that you want to pop off in order to buff a character appropriately, but if shit goes down, you might have to waste one of those bars doing something else to just pull yourself out of a bad situation. Uh, so I actually find that a lot more tense and a lot more interesting than Kingdom Hearts, where it's like, oh, this enemy is doing like some really crazy gymnastics shit, and I have to fuck around with the D-pad and try to get over to my items. Yeah. Menuing. Nothing in about Hearts, that. Always a nightmare. 
Yes, it's amazing to me that they made that many Kingdom Hearts games and never implemented the system that Final Fantasy VII uses. That like they somehow didn't think that that I don't know why it took them that long is where I'm going with this. It's bizarre because uh, I would say maybe because they're not that great at making video games and also in many ways as I had said back when that came out Final or uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 seems like a PS2 game that somehow came out two generations late. Yeah, and I think that Final Fantasy VII is making me appreciate that point a whole lot more. Because uh, it, it really feels like kind of the step forward that Kingdom Hearts needed to make mechanically, but just never actually did. Uh, Kingdom Hearts mostly is just like, hey, we're adding more systems onto everything, but we're not improving any of the systems that came before. No, you just mash so. it and then you press triangle and then your your sword turns into a hammer and then you mash a bunch more. Then you press it yeah. again and everything explodes. Yeah. I mean, it's still fun. I still like Kingdom Hearts 3. And then Donald says, This looks like a place to fight some ingredients. Or whatever. That's, that's the best Donald Duck impression <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Look, it's about as good <laughs> as the voice actor for Donald Duck in that game. Sure. Poor guy. Um, He's he's just locked yeah. in a Disney basement, forced to do Donald Duck until he finally keels over. Put a Raptors in the Disney vault. Let them appreciate it in value. I mean, I guess they um, might as well. They're not doing anything with Mickey and Donald and Goofy except for Kingdom Hearts, right? Oh, they got that new cartoon that actually seems like it's not bad. I don't know. I haven't heard about this. They're... I watched one episode of it, and it was where Mickey Mouse became, like, some sort of stuck-up aristocrat type, and Minnie was very distressed about this, uh, even though she was responsible for it at the same time. Uh, so she goes to Goofy Women and Donald, shopping. and it's just like... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> she goes to Goofy and Donald, and is like, hey, can you, like, make him normal again? So they kidnap him and throw him in a room, and then, like, there's, you know, the cartoon thing of you hear a bunch of, like, banging and clattering, and, like, the door looks like it's going to fly off the hinges... And it opens up, and Mickey's fine, uh, but for some reason, Goofy's pants are off and down around his ankles. And what? that is a thing that they put <laughs> in an actual Mickey Mouse cartoon. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Might be okay. <laughs> yes. It was a really weird-ass thing that I watched. Uh, that cartoon seems interesting. Uh... Mickey but, becomes aristocrat, and then uh, Donald gets out a guillotine. Exactly. Look, there's only two ways to solve capitalism. You cut everyone's heads off, or you fuck them in the ass. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Really summed it up. Both. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really, really digging the way that the whole battle system in Final Fantasy VII uh, feels. I, I do think that one of the things I'm finding is a bit of a bummer about it is they're they're basing this game entirely off of like the first five or six hours of the original, uh, which is all in Midgar, which is the most linear chunk of that game. When you're done with that, you get pushed out into this big open world, you build your party, and you have a lot more freedom to kind of build everybody how you want to build them. So the Final Fantasy VII Remake ends up having the Digital Devil Saga syndrome of or pulling characters out of your party and putting them back in based on story needs. And so there's like long stretches where Cloud is like the only guy that you got. Uh, Barrett, Cloud, I have barely played with. Number one guy. 
<laughs> um, but it's kind of a bummer because I like I really enjoy switching it up and playing as the different characters because they all have like very different utilities to them. Like Barrett is a ranged attacker, so you want to use him for any kind of flying enemy, obviously. Uh, Tifa is more based around doing combos and staggering enemies and then just dealing a lot of damage once they're down. Uh, Cloud's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, and then Aerith is... Uh, she's also kind of a ranged character, but she could do like these charge attacks that deal a lot of damage, and then she's also based around like buffing the party. Um, I have a Which question. is definitely like... A, uh, yeah. Go ahead with this. I have a question after you finish. Okay. It, it's a definite improvement over the original Final Fantasy VII, where like everybody was a completely blank slate. And materia kind of determined how you built them. So like no one really had any particular utility inherently over anybody else. Like there wasn't jobs in Final Fantasy VII, and it kind Just of like feels like life, there is. Am I right? <laughs> well, right now. <laughs> well, maybe for a long yeah. time to come. We'll see. Look, I gotta go to Walmart and stand in the unemployment line. Huh. Yeah. Now look, I. Taking some jobs at the Honeybee Inn. I've, I found an ad for it in Craigslist. It just seemed like a good idea at the well, time. I mean, that, that's a stable market. They always need people there. Look, I didn't know Don Corneo was going to try to have somebody killed. Well, you should have. He's got in that retrospect, zoo now. Yeah. Yeah. What was your question? Uh, did you ever play Resonance of Fate? No. Okay, well, because everything you've told me about the battle system in this reminds me a lot of that. Like, specifically the stuff about staggering enemies and then doing damage while they're stunned. Um, th of course, the differences in that game, it's not like a free-moving thing. Like, you select a direction and then the character runs that way, and then you select if you want to attack medium, low, or high. Uh, but the... The weapons they have determine how the damage works. Like I like that game a lot, especially because of the gun customization, where you would just like stack eight scopes onto a pistol or whatever, and it didn't matter. The game was like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, that game was cool. Uh, yeah, there but... is a port on modern consoles that never goes on sale because I check PSN every week, and it is still thirty-five dollars. One one day. I hope you gotta so. Have faith. It went on sale once. It was like the one week I never checked it, like last year. Uh I think it might have been before PSN like had a wish list thing. Also, I'm not sure why PSN has a wish list, because it does not email you if something on your wish list goes on sale. Hmm. <sighs> yes, I just checked I it. Found it's out. I found out that I still have like 850 in credit on PSN for some reason and I have no idea what I bought on there that made me load up money into my PSN account so I should buy something at some point I guess because what else am I doing with that money what are you going to get uh, for 850 I don't know okay not not really anything I guess uh yeah I like in Resonance of Fate, is... you could throw grenades at gremlins. So, it's I mean, a good game. Have, you also have grenades in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. There's no, there's no gremlins, though. Well, so, see, I mean, that's, then know, why bother? That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, bad game, Final Fantasy VII Remake. No gremlins. Zero Send out of ten. Zero out yeah. of G. 
no G content. <sighs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like the the stacker system is also just kind of interesting because like elemental weaknesses in Final Fantasy games don't fucking matter. Like they've never fucking mattered. There's Final Fantasy is one of those RPGs where it's just like, okay, once you get your best attack in the game, that is all you ever use. You don't really need to use anything else. The stagger system actually makes you like have to pay attention to elemental weaknesses because sometimes that is really the best and only way to hurt certain enemies. Uh, so I've kind of liked that. It, like I, I felt I've been thinking a little bit more strategically about what materia I want to have before I go into a certain encounter or what attacks I need to actually combo together to damage a boss the most effectively. Uh, so I think, like, you'll probably really dig the Final Fantasy VII remake battle system. Uh, just because I know that you kind of like stuff like Kingdom Hearts to begin with, and it's just, like, a way better, like, much more refined version of that. Uh, boy, there's shit in this game I know you are not going to like. Uh, well, I know my special boy Vincent isn't in it, so... Uh, that's yep. already a mark Strike against one. it. Exactly. Can't play as Red 13, apparently. Uh, no Sid, uh, either? No Sid. Yep, don't get to see Sid abuse his wife just yet. Yeah, bummer. I assume I assume they will leave that in the game, because they're still leaving all the stuff about Cloud cross-dressing. So, you know, well, the parts that people often identify as maybe being problematic, Square's just like, whatever, it's a remake. <laughs> Putting it all in there. It's a remake. Yeah. Look, you dealt with it back in 97, you're going to deal with it now. Yeah. Uh, man, I mean, imagine Sid yelling at his wife, but it's in HD and it's fully voiced. That would be it's good. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, the, the side quest stuff in this game is fucking awful. I, like, that's my biggest issue with it so far. Uh, partly because the way that the game is structured, again, by by following the template laid out in the original doesn't really afford them to consistently give you side quests. So when they pop up, they pop up in one big fat batch at like certain points in the story. And I think like to be able to progress, you do have to complete a certain number of those in order to push ahead. They're all very boring. The first one you get is just a dude going like, hey, I need you to kill a bunch of rats. Call so back to Final Fantasy sets... 12. Yeah, it just sets the tone for like the rest of those missions. There's one where you got to go find some cats around the Sector 7 slums, and it's dull as hell. Uh, but a lot of them, they just drag on way too long. They're all just like, go back through this area you've already thoroughly explored and just kill some more enemies and then just come back here and report on it. So they're just boring, but then they also like gate off a lot of really good items behind that stuff. Uh, like you can't get the um, the baseball bat with the nails in it for Cloud unless you complete like a bunch of side quests oh man and that thing's and that thing's great because its whole gimmick is just it does critical hits a lot but it doesn't have any materia slots unless you upgrade it to get material materia slots so when you do that you just start stacking in a bunch of like luck improving materia and then you just do critical hits all the fucking time sure cloud going kanji tatsumi mode yeah, the the heavy version of that is him just doing like a home run, like a like a slugger kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's a great weapon. Uh, but boy, the mission where you have to go get that sucks. Uh, you had mentioned to me you heard that they say shit a lot in this game. I can't confirm. Oh yeah, yes. 
uh, the only thing that they do more than saying shit is uh, the thing I love most about this generation, really. Eat hot uh, chips? Squeezing. No. Oh. Unfortunately. Uh, squeezing between tight objects to load in the next area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing Mark Cerny hates the most. Yeah. They showed him Final Fantasy VII Remake and he was like, we need to put an SSD <laughs> in the next console. This is inexcusable. <laughs> I mean, yes. No, I it's really Mark Cerny, so he'd be like, I, I really think we should put an SSD in the next console. This is inexcusable. If it was up to me, you would all be fired. <laughs> it's not even him saying it in person. It's just like his brain scans and they're just sort of like <laughs> vibrating on a screen. Yeah. It's just coming out of the speakers. Mark, Cer Mark Cerny has finally uploaded himself into the Matrix. Incoming brain scan from Mark Cerny. The PlayStation 5, like, the PlayStation 5 OS is just, like, it's Mark Cerny's brain has been scanned into the system as it's controlling all of it. It turns out just he is AI Mr. Polygon. It was him uh, the whole time. Finally. Um, yeah, man, it, the, there's a lot of that, though. There's a lot of squeezing between objects or crawling under objects in this game, uh, which is rife in this generation, but boy, Final Fantasy VII is really just leaning into it. Yeah. Uh, there's also, God, that the first area in that game, the first reactor looks so fucking good, and then it dumps you back out, like, into the world, and you suddenly realize that you're playing a game rendered in the Unreal Engine, because these textures look bad. Like an older Unreal Engine, too, right? Not the yes. newest one. No, I showed you a picture of that door to Cloud's apartment. There are a it's lot a of door. textures that are, there are so many textures that are like at that level of fidelity. Reminded me of Left Alive. <laughs> the classic. Yes. <sighs> God, it just, there's so much muddy texture work in that game but like I guess that the upshot is it runs at a stable 30 frames a second pretty much the entire time I mean that's good like I've only had it yeah I've only had it hitch going into battles and even then it's like almost imperceptible yeah well would prefer it to be higher but you know if as long as they keep it locked at 30 that's acceptable yeah, I almost think that like the pro version probably could have had a higher frame rate because from what I've heard, that doesn't drop frames at all. Yeah. But the textures are still just as muddy in that one, so I really think you probably could have pushed performance even more if you weren't going to make a compromise on the visual fidelity of the game. Uh, Does it run at a higher resolution on the pro? It was like um, it might be why. 1660. Uh, that's not too bad. I want to say that's what it runs at most of the time. Obviously, it, it kind of scales depending on certain areas and what you're doing. But yeah, yeah I want to say that the number I saw was 1660. Um, yeah, no, I'm overall having a good time with that. I, I'm also bothered by how little the old music is actually in the game, too. Like, you don't really hear the like classic Final Fantasy VII battle theme much at all. Mm-hmm. It's mostly just a remix of like whatever the like current theme is for the location that you're in. Does it do the dun 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 dun? dun? Yes and no. Uh, Barrett what? will occasionally Barrett will occasionally do what you just did at the end oh. of the battle, um, and then 
there are uh there's an arena that you can take part in uh, which i have not gotten to yet but my understanding is the fanfare plays uh, at the end of battles and that and then you also do the victory poses from the original game after battles and that oh uh, cloud uh, spins a sword around yes Good. uh i can't can't confirm not gotten that far i've just been told that um there's also summon vr battles so the way that you get most but not all of your summon materia is you're completing intelligence reports for this kid uh and he will upon having a certain amount completed say like hey i'm working on a new summon materia but i need you to go fight the summon uh so you put on a vr a, a portable vr headset and then cloud has to fight like shiva or fat chocobo and then you get that uh summon materia and it will play the fanfare when you complete those and also, I like the idea that Cloud has his headset on. It's just fucking swinging the sword around in public. Yeah, of course. <laughs> fucking destroying, like, shop facades and murdering people. Yeah. Well, you know, gotta break a few eggs. Yeah. No, I got Shiva now. It's fine. I killed 12 people, but it's fine. I mean, you would think that people would see him swinging that around and steer clear, <laughs> but... You would think that, but they absolutely do fucking not because there are so many points in this game where people are just like, oh god, who's who are the members of Avalanche? Who could be doing this? And it's while you're walking around with a giant sword strapped to your back with a guy with a fucking gun arm. Yeah. Who do you think's doing it? Everyone else is dressed like a normal human being except for, like, the main characters of the game. It's a mystery. There's a whole... There's a whole part early on where there are some Shinra executives who are just shaken by the reactor being destroyed and Barrett's just over there going like, no, it's good, actually. And they don't piece <laughs> together that he's the terrorist. I love when reactors explode. It's great. I love it when people fucking die from eco-terrorism. My name's Barrett Wallace and I'm definitely not a terrorist. So uh, okay, yeah. I w I will play that whenever I get it. Who knows? Uh, is that all Next you have week, to say? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I I want to talk about some of the story stuff in that game, but I think that is better uh, a little further out when people have more time to play it. Sure. Uh, I shouldn't like. I think there are probably people who will hear that and go like, oh, spoilers for a game that is a remake of a game in 97, but obviously this being something that stretches about five hours of gameplay out into 40, they add a lot of stuff. I think some of that stuff is not very good at all. Um, fairly unspoilery, but there is a section where you go to get like bomb-making material from a factory before you do the second bombing mission. And it's basically just a large arena battle, and it's just dull. There there are, I think the game's weakest points are where it tries to add stuff into the original story. Uh, except in one area where it seems like maybe they will go in a very different direction by the time this game gets to its final act, and that stuff is very interesting, and I'm looking forward to where that goes, but I think that is maybe the thing to not talk about until next week. So I mean, you kind of already did by saying it goes in a different direction anyway uh, well yes of... but not specifically what way because i think that specifically how it is is <sighs> so very interesting so stupid like there are so what? few things about final fantasy 7 what does everybody know about final fantasy 7 eris dies so what's going to happen yes. gee i don't know where are they going to change that would not... be shocking 
I mean, yes, she probably will not die. Yeah. I would say that maybe they will have some other character die in her place, but th there is there's some stuff that I don't want to get into until a bit more time has passed, because I think that if people do care about that stuff, they're going to really care about it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't think of... it's actually that important, but yes. PlayStation 5 mentioned briefly uh, new controller, the Dual Sense. What do you think? Mm. Bring back the boomerang, you cowards. Yes, they should. I bet the boomerang was very comfortable, uh, but they scrapped it when people made fun of it who hadn't even used it. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, the yeah. DualSense basically just looks like an Xbox controller, but in penguin form. Uh, Danny yeah. DeVito drugged the Xbox controller into a sewer, and it came out looking like oh, this. No. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it probably looks like it's more comfortable to hold than the DualShock controller is. Uh, mm. I find the Xbox controller to generally be the most comfortable in my hands. Uh, not that, like, the DualShock is unwieldy or anything like that. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but, yeah, I hate, like, aesthetically, I don't like it. I, I think it looks kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, if it was just like all gray It would look much better Also It'll... the Playstation controller Should be multicolored like the PS1 one y Yes Like I think my issue with it is It looks like uh, if, if you're trying to figure out what the actual console Is going to look like based off that controller I get like kind of a Old Alienware desktop Vibe from it Yeah Yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. I would be into that. Like, I'm tired I... of just black bricks. Especially considering sure. that's exactly what the Xbox One Series X is. Sorry, Xbox uh, yeah. Series X. It, yeah. I mean, I All don't right. know why also they're calling it the PlayStation 5. Like, that's just confusing. Yeah. Uh, the, she called something like the PlayStation PSX Series 5. No, PlayStation Series Pro uh, Redux mm. Part 2 mm. That would be good uh, And then the then HD audio would include it With like an exclamation point at the end Yeah, well, uh, 3D audio And it's audio. like they Yeah, three, yes, thank you, sorry 3D audio uh, HD audio is something that like Nintendo would do um, Yeah HD rumble, come on guys What the fuck um, You can feel yeah, how many I... balls there are In the <laughs> in the box when you move it back and forth It's a very unique It's it's an incredible feature uh, So many games are that's... going to use it I mean that's how they should have sold it I love handling balls yeah. I want to feel all the balls in the controller Who doesn't Put the balls right in my hands It's very important also for them to put the IR sensor In the uh, Joy-Cons <laughs> Because yes. of all those games that used it Oh, sure Yeah, that that PlayStation 5 Nintendo. controller I don't know, I'm not quite into how it looks But it at least seems like it might be a little bit more comfortable in my hands, I guess So, that's something I like the DualShock 4 the most of any controller um, I don't like the Xbox One controller as much as I like the 360 one Specifically, the bumpers are bad on the Xbox One controller mm. D-pad's better so, you know, I guess it kind of comes out yes. to wash, but um 
Yeah. I mean, that's what bums me out so much about the uh, Series X controller, because they also have shown that thing off, and they're replacing just a traditional D-pad with this weird, like, hex- hexagonal thing. But I bet that, that works doesn't... fine, because that's how the uh, the Pro it reminds me are. of the D. It just reminds me of the D-pad on the 360 too much, and that thing felt terrible. And, like, sure, I guess, if it is, like, the Pro controller, or the Elite, Pro Elite, or Elite, Elite. what do they call it? Yeah, Elite, Elite. okay. Oh, no, yeah, I'm sure. If that's been out there and people have said, no, I don't feel comfortable with the amount of money that they want for controllers to begin with anyway. Yeah. It's way too much. But yeah, like if people have their hands on that and they say that that is actually totally fine, then okay, sure. But it reminds me of their 360 controller, and that definitely was not fine. Is uh, this that a patent? Squishy thing? and imprecise. I don't know. Like, I thought that the patent was just over and done with. And yeah, so everyone I, had access to it now. Yeah, because the Xbox One one just has a regular plus-shaped D-pad, so I thought that was done, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. That's a And it's a very good D-pad. It's very clicky. It's very precise. I don't think I've ever had any issues with that whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so. But okay, dual like sense. my bit dough, which I'm having a bunch of issues with, and that's distressing. That's because right you dropped it on the floor like eight times. <laughs> I had a few thought. oopsie daisies. I'm not proud of it. <sighs> well, especially sucks right now because if I have to replace that thing, I'm not getting a controller for months. Well, so uh, that's a bummer. But think of how many controllers you can get with twelve hundred dollars. Oh, I could buy like. 10 Xbox Elite controllers with that. <laughs> well, no, you can't, actually. I know you're not good at math. Uh, but... Yeah, it's probably more like 8 or something. Yeah. Uh, Man. So, Retro Corner? Yeah, I played uh, Pokemon Crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, as I, I believe I've said before, uh, Gold and Silver are my favorite Pokemon games. Uh, I believe that those probably hold up fine. And I never played uh, Crystal, so I figured as good a time as any. Uh, and I do think that those games hold up perfectly fine. I think Crystal is pretty decent. There's some stuff about that game that I think is still unfortunate. Uh, mostly that, like, the typical Pokemon shit, where it's just like the battle system is just still very rudimentary and kind of trying to fuck around and catch a Pokemon that has like a 1% chance of showing up is very, very boring. Uh, but the actual way that that game is structured, I think, is still very good. Uh, I really like that you go back to Kanto at the end of that game and just do those eight gems. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like, for all the Pokemon games that have come since that have, like, a post-game to them, like, none of them have been that big. Like, that's, it's practically just layering the first game on top of it. It's kind of fucking wild that they did that. It's even more wild to me that they had the space on the cartridge to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played like, um, Silver and Crystal. This was, like, the height of my Pokemania, I guess, because then shortly after same. that, I was like, yeah, I, I don't think I need to play more of these. I think after um, Ruby and Sapphire. Those were like the last ones I really got into I played ones after that But I don't know that I finished Any of them Because it was just yeah. like eh who cares 
Yeah. I was still um, duped every time into thinking, ah, maybe this time I'll really care about this one. Sure. But uh, those things are made for children with infinite amounts of free time. And I do not have the patience to engage with what they are selling, so... Yeah, when I sat down to play Crystal, I had set the goal for myself of catching every Pokemon that is available in that game without yeah. trading or glitching the game. And yeah. I I made respectable progress. Uh, I think that there's a total of 206 that you're able to get uh, just off of one cartridge alone. Uh, and I want to say I got to about maybe 160, 165, somewhere around there. Uh, and then at that point, it was just like, oh, you need to evolve a bunch of guys and there's no way to duplicate rare candies to do that so you just have to level them up and uh that sucks so i decided i was not going to meet that goal um because like the i think the biggest issue i have with crystal is the way that like the level scaling works because it's actually kind of it does not seem very well thought out uh by the time you beat the elite four and get to the halfway point in the game you're probably around level 30 level 35 uh, as opposed to like maybe 40 to 50 that you would be in most of these games. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the second half, the actual climb up to like level 50 is just very, very tedious and just super daunting because all the wild encounters and the trainer encounters seem to kind of cap at around level 40, level 45. So building beyond that means just continually grinding on progressively weaker enemies. Uh so the actual final battle of the game, which is against Red uh, from the first game, all his Pokemon are level like 75 to 80. So like actually trying to get at a point where you can take him on is just super arduous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does make for like a really fun uh, final boss battle. Like he's tough as hell. And it's honestly like back in the day when, when that popped up, it was very surprising to see like Red in the game and then getting to fight all of his Pokemon. Uh, I remember it being confused because it was like, why, who is Red? Like, what is this guy? What is he? And then I realized you, eventually it was like, you oh, dumbass. it's what you can name your character, whatever you want. Why would he be named just, Red? Just making it that 70s show reference. That's all. Oh, I, oh, right. Red. I never really watched that show. So, okay. Uh, he, um, but yeah, like, call it Ash. Make him Ash. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I mean, they call Gary Blue in Pokemon Yeah, that's Crystal also stupid. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's, I get it. Like, that's their official names, and kind of going forward from, uh, from that point, it was but, just, oh, the, the version that you're playing is, like, the main character's name. Yeah, Yellow. Oh, actually, um, no, I, no, they... They they changed that because then you got like Dawn and May. So I never mind. I think actually Gold and Silver was the last time that they did. But also does not make sense that they would call Gary Blue, like if Red is the main character. Like you didn't play as Gary in Pokemon Blue. Sure. Like I think actually in Japan it is supposed to be Satoshi and uh I forget what Gary yeah. says. Because it was referencing like oh, it was like God, I can't remember. But it was people involved with the production of the game, like the characters were named after them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, you can play as a girl in Pokemon Crystal. Okay. First time that they allowed you to do that. It doesn't change anything about the game. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. All right. Sure. 
Yeah, um, I bring this up because I had a copy of EGM. I told you about this. It is, uh, let me pull oh, wait, it out hold here. on a second. It's it's, July. That should mean, I, I forgot to mention, that should mean that this yeah. game is terrible. If you can play as a lady in it, it's bad. Yes. Just like yeah, Lady definitely. Ghostbusters. That's the yeah. only reason we don't like that movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm so fucking angry just even talking about women right now that I just want to move on. I know. So, okay, EGM. Uh, I, I have a July 2001 issue of EGM. Uh, the cover story is Game Boy Advance, every launch game reviewed. Uh, plus, can it survive a toilet flush? <laughs> That's a weird thing to ask. EGM. Yes, it is. It, it definitely is. Uh, and so it also has on the cover, though, uh, Pokemon Crystal, first U.S. screens. I'm going to read you the article they wrote for Pokemon Crystal. Uh, All in right. This. Here we go. Cover... On the cover, they're advertising this. Nintendo has confirmed what we suspected all along. Pokemon Crystal is coming to the U.S. For all you women who play Pokemon, your wish has now been granted. At the beginning of the game, you can now choose to play as a girl. You have a little time to save your juice money, though. The game won't hit stores until July 30th. Okay. That, <laughs> who wrote that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, this actually doesn't have anyone in the byline for it. Um, and it has exactly two screens, and one is just showing the female player character at the start when you select which gender you want to be, and then uh, a picture of her sprite in the overworld, and that's it. Great. I mean, well, you know, what <laughs> yes. else are you going to show? You could pick any random screenshot from gold or silver and be like, yeah, it's from Crystal. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, I even seeing that on the cover of just like, hey, we got the first screens is like kind of just a little bit funny on its own. Uh, so yeah, it's, I guess not too surprising to me that it's such a thin piece. Uh, but this, uh, this whole experience has actually kind of got me to go through and like start rereading my old, uh, EGMs. I don't have a particularly large collection, but I do have one that had Ho-Oh on the cover, uh, because the cover story was basically like Pokemon Gold and Silver got revealed and they were talking about all the new features and the new Pokemon and kind of just where the franchise was at in general at that point in time. Uh, and it just kind of turns out, like, September 2000, when this came out, was a real banger of a month. Uh, like, a lot of the games that got reviewed in this issue are pretty big. Um, there is stuff in here about how SNK uh, is fucking done in the U.S. All right. So, like, man, that was a moment in time. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to start off uh, looking at this thing. Uh, the top oh, wait, 20 so, best-selling games. So would that be... Yeah. That's that's before they were bought by Playmore? Is that right? Uh, I believe so. I would need to go back and actually skim through that article. Because I think it was again. like SNK died, then they became SNK Playmore. I think. Yeah. That, that sounds right to me. I don't know. I don't know. I, need, I would need to find that article again. Uh, but... Uh, we have in here the top 20 best-selling games of May 2000, and I wanted to see if you would uh, be able to take a crack at the top 10. Uh, uh, all right. Play, May, May 2000. May 2000, so before the PS2 was out, but the Dreamcast was out. So Correct. I'm going to say Sonic Adventure. Mm, no. Really? Yes. Hmm. Sonic Adventure was 1999 because it was like, it was a launch yeah, title. So I know. it would have been out there. But, but I'm saying like, at give this you, point, people give you would still be buying it. Uh, yeah, give me. Let me give you a hint. Okay, there are zero Dreamcast games in the top 20. 
Oh, I guess that explains <laughs> what happened to the Dreamcast. <laughs> but still, I thought people would still be buying Sonic Adventure. You know, it had a long tail. Sure, I just I needed to let you know before you went down the rabbit hole of Jet Grind Radio, Crazy Taxi. No, well, I knew. Well, I might have considered Crazy Taxi. I knew Jet Grind Radio would not be there. Yeah, right, so uh, Jet Grind Radio is not out at this point in time yet. Also, yeah, yeah. So. Um, because that was like, yeah, that was late. 2000 yeah there is i will jump to that when we're when, when i, we I remember section, an article, but there's a preview of jack Ryan radio yes i remember that preview and looking <laughs> at it and being like wow this is crazy because that was like the first cell shaded game yeah um, uh there is a in fact i'll flip, flip to it right now actually there is a thing in this that was kind of questioning whether or not it would even come out here because the sales were so dismal in japan really i didn't uh, know that yeah, the last paragraph. Despite the critical acclaim it has received in Japan, we're sad to report Jet Grind has sold uh, pretty poorly over there so far. We already know Jet Grind Radio deserves to be huge, a huge hit in America, but whether it becomes a system seller or is relegated to cult status is all up to the localization and marketing gurus at Sega of America now. Huh. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, then it's going to be all PS1 or N64 games. Uh, 90 WWF Attitude? Uh, nope. Hmm. Is there a wrestling game on there? There is a wrestling game, but it's not yeah, WWF that's, that's Attitude. Is it is a WCW game? No. I don't remember what it was. It's not it's, No Mercy. It is no do you want yeah. to know yeah wwf smackdown for the playstation is number oh, five. Oh, okay i was thinking of the n64 ones um but yeah i knew yeah, it wasn't no mercy because that's like 2000 that's like late in 64 yeah uh, yeah there's no nintendo 64 uh wwf games on this list okay so. um majora's mask was that out that might be uh, da, 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 later. No, Majora's Mask is also not on this list. Uh, I think Majora's Mask was 2001? Yeah, maybe. I think. Uh, it's pretty I late, I, I thought it was say. 2000. Yeah, it might be 2000. Some, uh, somewhere around in the, in the early aughts, I'm pretty sure. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, it was released in 2000. Um Okay. But October yeah. 2000, so yeah, it was. Yeah, see. Okay. Uh, Give me like the number 10, I guess. Number 10. Okay. Uh, Pokemon Blue was still selling pretty hard <laughs> wow. in the year 2000. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, this is like right before Gold and Silver were kind of set to come out. So I think that like Pokemania had like gotten hyped up again and people were probably starting to buy those games in anticipation for the new ones. Uh, Pokemon Red is on here too, but it is number 12. So they announced Crystal before Gold and Silver were out? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Crystal was in the uh, July 2001 issue. So oh. there's a there's a bit of... Okay. There's a bit of a gap. Like it's it's... September 2000 to July 2001 so like they announced that thing not too long I guess after Gold and Silver actually came out yeah okay uh, um if, yeah. if it will help you out this list is actually rotten with Pokemon games okay Pokemon Red uh well I already said that was number 12 <laughs> oh 
Okay. Yes. I wasn't paying attention. Come Pokemon on, Stadium. This. Yep, number four. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what other? I mean, Pokemon. Get uh. Guess yeah. that's all the Pokemon's at the time, right? Pokemon Snap. Nope. No. Oh. Pokemon Snap came out after Pokemon Stadium, but hey, there is Pikachu. another Pokemon game that was out. No, that was even later. Uh. Yeah. What, you want me to just? Uh, you want me to lay these on you? No. <laughs> I don't know what other Pokemon. I'm just going to lay are. these on you. <laughs> the number one top best-selling game number of May one. 2000 is. Pokemon trading card for the Game Boy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I just mentioned that to you like 20 minutes before we started this podcast. I was just like, I can't wait to play the Pokemon trading card game on the Game Boy. I know. Boy. And I was thinking, boy, that game, uh, I played a lot of that. It cheated a lot. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's like but the also, I liked that game. Yeah. Uh, number, well, I'll go down the, the top 10 here. Uh, Pokemon Blue. Uh, number nine is Star Wars Episode One Jedi Power Battles. <laughs> uh uh-huh siphon right. filter 2 Ooh. uh number seven is tony hawk's pro skater uh number six is a Psych- excite bike 64 uh, wwf I... smackdown pokemon stadium which we already mentioned this one i'm surprised you didn't bring up number three is pokemon yellow well i said that earlier uh yeah okay oh, this yeah. um well it, it wasn't number... the guessing game part it was oh, just i earlier. see uh, I, Perfect Dark was number two, by the way. Yeah, this is a weird time to try to guess stuff because it's like, <laughs> I guess I should have guessed Perfect Dark because that's one of those like came out way too late on the console of choice. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like especially since it's early in the year, it's hard to guess. Yeah, uh, although I did kind of want to talk about some of these games that got reviewed because, again, I do think May 2000 was a very big month. Uh, maybe you've heard of some of these games, Larry Davis. Uh, no. A little something called Chrono Cross came out. Ugh. Yeah. Yes, that's the sound you make when somebody talks about Chrono Cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just you invoke the name and then suddenly you get indigestion. I remember Chrono uh, Trigger. That was a good game. Yes, it was. It's a great game. Yeah. Uh, Chrono Cross was the game of the month for EGM uh, back in May 2000. Uh-huh. Uh, I will read this little blurb. Uh, all four major systems enjoyed strong showings in reviews this month. Uh, this will reveal some of them too. Uh, Street Fighter 3 and Power Stone Ooh. 2 for the Dreamcast, Ooh. Uh, StarCraft, and Kirby for the Nintendo 64. <laughs> finally, some games! Yeah, finally. And, yeah. <laughs> and boy, if they had only known where Nintendo was going to go from there, <laughs> as far as game releases and frequency of games. Yeah. Uh... Uh, and Crystallis for the Game Boy Color. But the PlayStation enjoyed the best of the lot with Val- uh, Valkyrie profile, and especially mm. the amazing Chrono Cross, which narrowly missed the coveted EGM Platinum Award by 0.52. Send hate mail to Greg Seward at ZiffDavis.com. <laughs> Wonder that email still poor, active. <laughs> poor Greg Seward. Uh, yeah. He, um, yeah, people, like, the critics loved Chrono Cross back then. I remember it got 5 out of 5 from, I think, official PlayStation Magazine also. 
Mm-hmm. And all of that made me think, I gotta play this thing. And then I did, and was like, I do not want to continue playing this thing. Uh, yeah. And I have not had a high opinion of it ever since. Yeah, everything I've seen from that game does not interest me at all. It's uh, not good. Yeah. Uh, as so often before, uh, we're just now seeing many of the best PlayStation games in the system's Twilight months. We can only hope Final Fantasy IX is this good. Uh, there's something you don't hear often. Uh, Seaman also came out this month. How dare they not mention that? <laughs> <laughs> that is weird because uh, I remember uh, Milkman like being obsessed with Seaman. Him and Crispin, oh, sure. I think, like just constantly mentioned Seaman whenever they could. Yeah, Seaman's a great game. Uh, Bust oh. a Groove Two also came out that month. Okay. It's an advertisement really in here Buster for Groove. Dino Crisis. Wow, that was yeah. that late. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's advertising both of the games. I think it was just like, hey, uh, I don't know, buy these. PlayStation's not going to be a thing for much longer. Oh, okay. Get some games. Uh, yeah, let's see what else came out of here. Uh, X-Men Mutant Academy. Ooh. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. yeah those were uh, bad. Played a lot of yeah. them. Because what else was I going to yeah. do? Hey, speaking of Dio Crisis, a little bit of news that we forgot to mention. Uh, there's a rumor going around that Resident Evil 4 Don't. is going to get the remake treatment, which... No, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, it might, but don't give credence sure. to this jerk. Look, I'm not, because I wanted to say that I think that rumor is... Uh, like it, it could very well happen, but also I think they're just bullshitting because I think that this is the easiest thing to speculate about. Like it's kind of just a gimme. Yeah. Uh, but also, like if that is actually the case, if they were going to do a Resident Evil Four, I'd really rather them do a bunch of other like old Capcom survival horror games, like the Dino Crisis should really get redone. I would like to see an updated version of Parasite Eve, although that was not them, and I just remembered this because goddamn square <laughs> really made a capcom ass game yeah uh i'm sorry my brain is old and tired well at least you caught it before i could correct you on it um yes. but yeah uh i agree i would like to see remake of dino crisis uh i mean i second. actually would like to see a remake of parasite eve that is treated the same sort of way like that'd be that'd be fine Eh, it would be, but also I think Parasite Eve kind of has aged better than a lot of the old Resident Evil. Oh, definitely. Levels. Yeah. I've not played the Dino Crisises, uh, but the things that I have heard about them make me suspect that I'm going to have a real rough time with them. They do not sound like they hold up at all. I tried playing uh, Dino Crisis 1 recently and did not play it for very long because, yeah. It, yeah. It, it was rough. Yeah. So remakes of those would be excellent, and I really hope that they do that. But who knows? Um, I mean, probably not. Like Resident Evil is going to easily sell. I I think that they would have a much harder time marketing like Dino Crisis because I most people at this point don't know what Dino Crisis is, has never heard of it, or has completely forgotten about it. I don't think it would really matter. I mean, mm. like you see dinos. And it's like from the creators sure. of Resident Evil, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. okay, sure." Like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, you could, yeah, you could just approach it as, "What if it was Resident Evil but with dinosaurs?" And I bet people would get excited for it. That, that makes that's sense. what it originally was. So yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, to, to wrap up the Pokemon discussion, you know, uh, I think Pokemon... By the way, yep. uh, because you uh-huh. said both of them, there was a Dino Crisis 3, by the way. What? Yeah, it was on Xbox. It was like a... It was in space. Uh, there was a Leprechaun in space. <laughs> yes, there was. There were also <laughs> dinos in space. They were like... It was sort of like weird Paris... They were almost like Nemesis-type dinosaurs, I think. They were like mutated I mean, if... and stuff. If it is anything like Leprechaun in space, it's probably the best one. No. Leprechaun gets real big in that one, and then they eject him out of an airlock. It's pretty good. Okay. I like the Leprechaun movies. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) I just needed to remind everybody. I mean, Um, never forget that we uh, had an endorsement uh, and a thanks on our podcast from (laughs) Hornswoggle. Uh, That's who, right. Who played Leprechaun in uh, Leprechaun Origin? Is that what it was called? Uh, yes, because the one after that is Leprechaun Returns, which still infuriatingly does not have Warwick Davis in it. Yeah. Uh, they really Mark Hamilled him. Yeah, Mark Hamill, a noted Svengooly fan. Yes. Uh, okay. Well. Um. Yeah, Pokemon Crystal. Uh, I think probably the strongest of any of the pokemon games i think it just did the most to kind of push that series forward introducing the whole day and night cycle the radio system that they put in that thing it actually like felt like they made a substantial push to innovate on pokemon very early on that they then kind of lost as the series went forward like there was a really long chunk of time there where they just did not want to do any fucking thing new and then eventually when they did it was just like the Pokemon animate now. Oh boy. G- uh, great. Like, it took so long for those games to even kind of go 3D. They were so resistant against doing one on, like, an actual console. And now that we have one of those, it sucks. So, because <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to make games for consoles. Definitely. Clearly. Uh, but, like, man, there, there was a point in time where Pokemania was, was real. They had cars that looked like Lugia driving around to promote the game. They had, like, five billion different projects in the can and, like, a whole bunch of movies that they wanted to put out. Go see the Pokemon movie and you got, like, a Holofoil Mew card. Like, shit was crazy for, like, a good long while. And I feel like kind of the, the, the big moment where that all crested was Pokemon Gold and Silver and also Crystal. And then after that, it's just kind of been... A really long downhill ride. Uh, and I, I want to say when I was reading up about this too, that they kind of fully expected like Ruby and Sapphire were not going to do well. Because <laughs> uh, I think by that point, they were also kind of like, oh, maybe Pokemon's kind of on the way out. Like we're starting to see some diminishing returns and like maybe everyone got burnt out on this thing. Uh, but it's still managed to persist. It's been popular enough to be around. So. That's unfortunate. Nevertheless, Pokemon persisted. Ex- yes, exactly. Hashtag resist. So, uh, if I gave a score to this game, there are a total of 251 Pokemon by the time uh, Generation 2 came around, so I would probably give this uh, 183 Pokemon out of 251. Okay. How would you rate... Uh, I don't think you played Crystal, but Gold and Silver. I did. I played Crystal. basically the same thing. Okay, well, I mean, look, it doesn't really matter. They're all the same. Exactly, so I don't know. I would give it probably the same score as I did uh, gold and silver back then, which would probably be... 
I mean, at the time, it was probably a 9 out of 10. Uh, now, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, seven. it's still... It's still uh, a really good game. The, the the like I said, the weakest parts of that are the parts that I just kind of feel are weak about Pokemon across the board. Uh, but you should else just is. end it there. You should have just been like the weakest parts. I feel are the parts that are weak. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I might have cut out there, uh, but I said the parts that are weak across no. the board for Pokemon. Oh, I didn't? Okay, didn't. I don't know. I'm I always cut out all these should... fucking things. No, that's why we're trying a new system, and it's been working great. So okay. we'll do this from now on. Anyway. Very confused. I have faith in nothing. Um, Especially yeah, not uh, Valve, oddly enough. <laughs> but here we are. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we go, did you want to talk a little bit about Tiger King? Because I started no. watching that. Oh, yes. What? Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Before we do that, I want to ask, uh, where exactly did you leave off in Deep Space Nine? Uh, I was like four episodes from the end. Uh, I believe the next one I had up was Blaze of Glory. So did Ducat do his little turn yet? Oh, yeah. For you. Okay. Yeah, Uh, that stuff is real good. And I am way into full-on heel turn Ducat. Well, I mean, he always was, but he was just kind of... yes. He was he was a tweener for a while, I suppose, but yeah. yeah, now he's back to being a heel. But yeah, I like that bit where he's on the monitor. He's just like, "Yeah, I joined the Dominion. What are you gonna do about it?" <laughs> uh, so I think that means you already got to the bit where uh, Kira's kind of like adoptive uh, Cardassian father came to the station. Uh, yes. Okay, that was an extremely good episode, and I really liked that a whole lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, you definitely watched that because I talked about the bit where. Uh, Cisco confronts Ducat and Wayun uh, with this like bottle of alcohol that they brought as a gift for that guy, and he's just like, "There, why, Ducat? Why don't you have a glass? It's fucking full of poison that you tried to use on this old man." And then Wayun just drinks it and goes yeah. like, "Oh wow, yeah, that is extremely toxic." Yeah, because uh, Vordas can't be poisoned apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah Wayun's really great. Just like Jeffrey Combs is great. In... Yeah. I, he's so great, in fact, that they might have killed that character off and then decided to bring him back and just go, I don't know, clones. Yeah, I really don't think they had intended for that, but I'm glad they did. Oh, man. Just to solidify it even more, they're like, yeah, I'm the fifth one. Like, there are four other versions of me that definitely died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, considering he's just going around drinking poison, I guess it's not too surprising that four versions of him did not make it. I mean, if he's already got, you know, clones in the tank, like, why not? Just yeah, do sure. whatever you want. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so what about Tiger King? Uh, boy, people who like big cats are fucking freaks. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm uh, through the third episode in that thing so far, so I still have quite a ways to go. Uh, but I think I'm now getting into uh, Carol's arc uh, with maybe possibly definitely murdering her husband. Uh, definitely, I think. Yeah. God, all the evidence that they present for that does not make a compelling case for her not doing a murder. Also, her husband was definitely a drug runner, right? Like, uh, you don't the, just the whole like, business of yes, yeah. you you're not just like yeah, I'm just gonna fly to Costa Rica for a few days. Like, yeah, I'm it, taking all these cars with me. Yeah, it's either that or like human trafficking or something. Like, he's definitely up to something. 
Yeah, I think they were also talking about moving some of the cats down there too, and this is like not following too long after the Tony Montana guy just being like, <laughs> yeah, we cut open snakes, just put drugs in the snakes, whatever, I don't know. Oh, that guy was great. It, yeah, like my favorite part about that is him just going like, it got to a point where like, I would just answer the phone being like, hi, I love drugs, I love doing drugs, I love selling drugs, 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 drugs. Anyway, the FBI got me on tape. <laughs> yeah. Also, how he's just the most chill of any of the people. He's just like, yeah, eh, just hanging out here with my monkeys. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, what's the big deal? I got a bunch of pets. Fuck it. Yeah. Sold drugs. Like, also the bit too with him going like, yeah, I went to jail because like some of my guys shot a dude and dumped his body on my property, <laughs> and then they were like, what do we do about this? We just chop him up and burn it. And I was just there going like. Uh, I guess. Yeah, he's like, well, look, I didn't shoot him. I didn't cut him up. I didn't burn yeah. him, but I was there, so... Yeah, and, like, look, when he says that, I actually believe him. Like, I don't know why you would lie about it at that point, because he's right. He was still there. He was still an accessory to it, so he's still culpable for it. Yeah. And um, he accepts that, so that's something, I guess. Yeah. Um. But, yeah... Of the most, I was telling you, like the most normal people in that whole documentary are him, uh, the lady that got her arm ripped off by the tiger, the guy with the fake legs. Which is amazing because she is amazing to me because she is still so not normal. Well, yes. Also, she's weirdly defensive of Joe throughout the whole thing. That's that's what I mean about not normal. Is she yeah. is still completely sucked into that cult of personality that he has. Uh, but yeah, but yeah also, the opening of that episode where it's just, oh, her arm is completely gone. And yeah. then her later on saying, like, well, I could have done like two years of reconstructive surgery and I would have kept the hand, but I was like, I gotta get back to work. Yeah. yeah that's but, why, but that's still, what God gave me too. But like compared to everybody else though, like uh her and yeah. the the guy with the long hair who uh Yeah like they're just having a good time. They're eating off the Walmart meat truck. Uh oh, God. You know, God, normal that whole stuff. Bit was so depressing. Or they're just like, hey, let's take a look at these guys' as trailers, and there's just rats everywhere, and like one AC unit to the place like gets to about 120 in the summer, and like, oh god. I mean, I was watching that and just thinking, I gotta find out where these Walmart meat trucks are. This seems like a good <laughs> racket. I did not know that that if you picked up a meat packet or something and then like you couldn't like actually buy it like they had to toss it they couldn't just take it back like and it, it makes sense it's just something I never really considered I have heard uh, of that until... before but I was never actually sure if it was really true or not yeah well Joe Joe Exotic has now confirmed it for you uh, yeah thanks myth, myth busted you know if you take that food up to the counter and can't pay for it they can't just put it back on the shelf words of wisdom God, the, the whole the whole thing with like this eighth grade magician meeting joe exotic <laughs> and then joe exotic being like super fucking like randy pitchford levels of wowed by magic changes his name and just starts giving this kid like tiger cubs for his act yeah you know normal things fucking what the fuck <laughs> the, like there's also just not shocking at all, but something extremely predatory about Joe Exotic that, like, as soon as he sees a fairly pretty young guy who's still, like, eh, he's legal, then Joe's just like, oh, I'm going to start, like, grooming this dude to become a husband of mine. 
Yeah. Uh, also, maybe like, feeding the meth? I don't think I got that far yet. Oh, there, well, but, there's a lot more about uh, Joe and his oh, multiple husbands later. Uh, boy, like, the first one was already kind of, like, a little bit something that is off with that, but then the, the second one especially, where it was just, like, that kid identified as being straight, and then Joe just kind of kept putting the idea of, like, well, maybe actually you're not into his head. And, like, when they show the bit where they get married and he kisses him, there is a certain level of discomfort there that you can see and feel. Yes, that's kind of the weird thing is... uh... Uh, I have seen some people saying that it is guilty of bi erasure in some respects, and I can kind of understand that, except when you look at him and realize, oh no, he he totally was not really into Joe, yeah. <laughs> at least in that yeah. way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, look. That whole wedding footage part, boy. <sighs> that wedding footage part seems like something you would see in a VHS tape that somebody dumped on the side of the road. Yes, like you just took it back home with you, and you're like, "Oh no, yeah, this needs to go to the police." It's like something in a horror movie, which is playing in Um, the background. It's like something from Mandy. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Speaking of VHS tapes and that thing, though, the the one that uh, Carol had made, where like her whole thing is how like, (laughs) yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Yes, I do. She's billed herself as, like, running the sanctuary and caring so much about tigers and how, like, all these other tiger handlers are just evil and they're abusive. And to be fair, I don't think she's wrong necessarily, but it's very clear that this is all about vanity for her, too, and that she's also mistreating these animals. And uh, also the So workers. it's this weird... Yes. Like... I want to get into that too, but I want to get through this other thing first, because that is also just a whole other fucking universe that is just existing in the middle of this. But, like, it's very clear that she's still being abusive, that that for her this is all, like, kind of a weird elitism thing. And, uh, I mean, the fact that, like, PETA is supporting her, also not too shocking, because PETA also fucking sucks. They do. Um, Um, So not to spoil anything, but PETA, like, kind of appears at the very end of this. And they're, the documentary kind of acts like they are a heroic organization when, uh, oh, no. 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 Like, like, Peter would of, sooner kill all those tigers than they would save them. Yeah. Like the end of Grant Morrison's Animal Man, except that was back before people knew how bad PETA was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they pull out this VHS tape, uh, from this guy who, like, sold her, uh, her first tiger, and, uh, that whole tape is just about like, okay, here's how young you have to remove the tiger from its mother to condition it to be a pet. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what you need to feed it. Here's how you need to treat it in order to acclimate it to humans and not other tigers. So, like, that's the proof positive right there that she is exactly the fucking problem that she tries to sell herself as being the solution to. Yeah. Also, and um... like. It, I, when you first mentioned that the thing i was laughing at was i was thinking of the music video that she had produced oh yeah it just no, looks like a tim and eric also... bit in the middle of this thing <laughs> yeah. like, just... I, I like also all of joe's music videos popping up because they are also just very much that yeah they are uh but i just like specifically the bit with uh carol and her her new husband 
sitting on the couch watching this music video with the director of the documentary also sitting there with him and kind of looking at and looking back at them like what <laughs> but yeah really the, the workers stuff uh is is mostly oh god what's that guy's name what guy the guy who basically was like he came up with the whole like actually this is a cult and you treat it like a cult thing and like all the women that work for him are like basically oh, sex oh slaves. yeah uh doc antle D- yes okay doc so yeah his whole thing of you know the the women basically sleep in like uh, horse stalls there are cockroaches all over their food and all over their bodies they are basically there to be as sex slaves they work like 12 or no, not even that. It was like they they go to sleep at like midnight, wake up at eight, and then they work for every hour that they're awake every day of the week, and they earn like a hundred fifty bucks at the end of the week. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about and, Carol's workers also. How the, she has like oh, that volunteer well, well, he, scheme. Yeah, so I wanted to bring him up because it's it's a very much a point of comparison between the yeah. two of them. How it's it's the same kind of evil, but in different forms. Yeah, because uh, yeah, hers is is this. Uh, you volunteer for five years and you get like a different color vest uh, depending on what <laughs> level you're at and it has this like it still has this cultish vibe to it but then like lay on top of that a pyramid scheme also not having to pay them yeah free labor uh the bit with her going like yeah i don't really know who any of these people are until they've been here for like five years yeah way to tell on yourself <laughs> Um, yeah. But, but yeah, Doc Antle is like the creepiest person in that whole thing. Oh God, yeah, definitely. Um, I I was saying, and then the fact I, that I had posted that it's unfortunate Philip Seymour Hoffman died before they could make the Tiger King movie because he would be perfect as that guy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Joe learning a lot of what he knows from Doc specifically, and then he can kind of draw that comparison to him too of like. He's having these people sleep in these like mobile homes that are just in like states of severe disrepair, uh, really unsanitary living conditions is paying them basically nothing. Uh, And then, yeah, that that feeds into the long haired guy just kind of going like, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but uh, we got a Walmart meat truck and he just like lets us take whatever we want (laughs) off of that because like shit's bad, man. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah, so this series has gotten a number of bad takes from people, including it's just making fun of hillbillies, even though, like, no, it's making no. fun of horrible animal abusers. And yeah, I don't the, even think it's, like, making fun of necessarily. It is shedding a light on some incredibly abusive behavior that I think a lot of people either, they get swept up in that cult, so they don't necessarily know any better. Oh, yeah. Or people just kind of look at the very funny veneer that is hiding all of that stuff, and so they don't just dig deep enough to see how horrible it really is. Sure. You know, you see the bit on John Oliver where he's like, look at this yeah. weirdo. And it's like, ah, that's yeah, funny. You th- yeah, you think, oh, that's great. It's a, This dude is extremely gay and has a lot of guns, and he's running for president, and he loves his tigers. And then, like, you actually sit down and learn anything about him, and you realize that him hiring someone to do a murder is really not that much of a leap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's maybe one of the least craziest things about him, actually. That's right. When he's just like, do I really like the guy who was shooting his internet show for him also. Uh, yes. He, he's also very strange, but his reactions and recollections of everything that happened are high quality. Uh, but yeah, he the, is, yeah. 
he's got a certain charisma to him too that just makes him extremely easy to listen to uh he uh the other really bad take is that this is glorifying big cat owners it makes me wonder if they actually watch the show Uh, yeah especially the very end like joe has a monologue which is just like if you watched all that and still thought that he was supposed to be a good guy i don't know what you're talking about like it's the equivalent to the what did i do killed them all of course in the jinx oh, uh, God. but i mean not quite but this this whole show so far just feels like getting that moment fed to you over and over and over again and having it continually be surprising like <laughs> sure the jinx was a hell of a ride from start to finish but the moment where it just really really hits you hard is that kill them all the uh-huh. Uh, the Joe Exotic one opens up on, oh, Joe hired Hitman to go kill Carol, and then everything after that is somehow more crazy and more abusive and more sickening yeah. than the thing that they led off on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the thing I'll say about it is the last two episodes like probably could have just been one. Like It kind of goes over the same stuff a couple of times in a weird way. Uh, but overall, I thought it was pretty good like as true crime documentary things go um some people have said like it lacks focus and kind of you know diverts around in weird ways that don't really have any closure it's like i don't really know what those people want like you're not gonna see everyone in it arrested or anything it's basically just to be like here here's what's going on here are the weirdos involved do what you will with this information I don't yeah, know there's, that they can do much more than that. There's also just so yeah, there's so much that's happening in it, and so many moving parts, and so many different characters that become integral to that story and understanding other players involved. That what the fuck to even focus on, man? Like and, it, it feels like giving too much attention to one thing is then not giving enough attention to a lot of other things that really deserve it too. And the thing is, a lot of it is related, kind of in the end. Um like joe's whole run for governor and president and everything that ends up sort of being related to the reason he bails um and jeff lowe also being involved with it and even uh the guy from good old indiana here uh the guy with the monkey he shows up again near the end he gets involved with everything also monkey yeah, like, I, I kind of get the sense, again, I'm only three episodes deep, and I believe this is seven total, not counting Talking Tiger or whatever the <laughs> fucking Joel McHale thing is at the end of this, that I don't plan to watch, because I don't care. Yeah, I don't um, either. But, unless Joe Exotic shows up on that set and just sh- just starts dropping grenades from a helicopter I believe Joel it... McHale, like, I don't see how that's interesting. But I, I believe it's all remote. Uh, due to the virus because mm. it was shot like, oh great maybe just like last week sure i watched a little bit of that snl thing that seems like a real <laughs> bad way to make a tv show yeah, yes it does i've been seeing like a lot of late night stuff that's like that too and i still insist that like maybe you guys just should not be on the air right now this kind of just sucks to watch i watched a little bit of colbert's like monologue from home oh. and i was like this is even worse than it usually is yeah, when you t- when you drop the laugh track out of it, but you still have the same delivery and cadence to everything, you realize how like unfunny it all actually is. Yeah. Um, 
The only one I've still kind of liked that has done that has been John Oliver, but I think it's because some of his stuff, like, his is more, like, informative, in a sense, than, like, obviously a Colbert or a Seth Meyers. So, I think it, it's better like, because there's still something he doesn't do as many, like, joke em ups waiting for the audience to stop laughing at imaginary person in the box. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's kind of what I wanted to get at too, but like I, I could I kinda got the sense that he was still setting up jokes that way and like maybe the first couple times he did it, but as it's kind of pushed on, it seems like he sort of figured out what to do with that format. Yeah. Whereas the others just keep trying to do their same thing without any sort of a zero change to yeah. their shtick. Ends up being like um, those clips of Big Bang Theory without the laugh track. And it's just Sheldon yeah. staring at people. Colbert just fucking sucks anyway, and I also blame him for the fact that, like, Joe Biden even got into the race to begin with. So, Colbert can eat it. Uh-huh. Well, but yeah, I don't want to watch a bunch of celebrities play guitar in their living room surrounded by family while I'm just sitting here going like, oh, there's fucking nobody in my life. This is great. Thanks, assholes. Well, that's a personal problem. But Yeah, all right. it's all a personal problem <laughs> to me, Larry. <laughs> um, Tiger King. But yes, I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of Tiger King. Uh, probably as soon as we're done here, I'm going to start on that fourth episode. But, but boy, oh boy. Like, I don't know how anyone can watch this thing and get that it's glorifying anything. All of these people are complete fucking freaks. Yes. And while it does seem a bit unfocused right now, and I'll give them that, it does also seem like all of this stuff is building up to a moment where it's going to overflow. Like this is all connected enough and you can see the problem growing bigger and bigger and bigger as they recount that passage of time yeah so uh, doc antle is probably the least connected to everything well him and uh tony montana yeah uh, but that's yes. more just part of the early thing of this is this community of zoo owners and everything yeah so i can get why they did that also, also, I think in particular with Doc, again, there is something very strong about the connection between the way that he treats his so-called employees, how that relates over to the way that Carol treats her volunteers, and also what Joe Azotic learned directly from Doc. So well, like, I still think it's important about informing the two biggest players in the story. Yeah, also, if you found out all that stuff about Doc Andal, uh, you wouldn't put oh, yeah. it in your documentary? Come on. Yeah. Like, either that's a documentary all on its own, yeah. or, like, it at the very least goes into this, because it's a lot. Yeah, well, one girl's just like, yeah, he made me get implants. I don't really remember agreeing to it, but, you know. Yeah. The The saddest part of that was her just going, like, you know, I got to rest for a few days. Yeah. Man. I feel so bad for her. Like, there's a few points where you can kind of tell that she's just trying to keep it together while talking about that stuff. Yeah, and then, weirdly, like, it's like... Here she is chopping wood outside. I don't know what that was about, but... Yeah. Okay. Very calming, though. There's something calming about chopping wood to me. I guess. I, I just looked at that thing she was used to chopping, being like, man, I that seems pretty cool. Yeah. I, I did not know that that existed, and I don't know why you would chop wood with anything else now that I know that it does. Yeah, I was a fool. Um, yeah. You actually chop wood? Yes, using a maul and hammer. Anyway. Oh. Uh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's it. Uh, next week, hopefully, Larry will have played more Final Fantasy VII, so we can actually have a discussion about hopefully it. Hopefully, I'll play any of about it. All the stuff I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Square can't control the release date. Who knows? <laughs> it's both out already and absolutely not out already. Yeah. But until next um, time, I've been Larry Davis. Yeah.
Who am I again? Uh, you are George Brundle, so you say. I'm. I'm. Say the I'm thing. A, I'm a. I'm a fat chocobo. Say the thing. Good. Goodbye, chocobos. Good enough. Goodbye, tigers. They're all dead. Goodbye, horses. <laughs> I'm flying over you. Well, I went to the bank this morning, and the cashier said to me, If you join the Christmas club, we'll give you ten of them flags for free. Well, I didn't mess around a bit. I took him up on what he said, and I stuck them stickers all over my car, and one on my wife's forehead. But your flag cow won't get you into heaven anymore. They're already overcrowded from your dirty little war. Now Jesus don't like killing, no matter what the reason's for. Into heaven any 